morning, listeners. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, it's Kelly Dixon. I'm here with Chris McCaleb, my buddy Chris McCaleb. How's that for a new intro, Chris? That's good. That's cool, huh? Um, we're here to talk about uh, episode number 206 of uh, the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. Woo. So, uh, hey, we got a great guests this morning, uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, creators of the show. Hey. Hello. We got uh, Jenny Hutchison, uh, co-executive uh, producer now and, and writer of this episode. Yeah. Hello. Hey. And uh, Jonathan Banks. Yeah. There we <laughs> Good morning, listeners. Let me, I want to give you your geographic bearings here. We're facing due west on a... Uh, uh, the fog's rolling in from from the ocean. Uh, the jasmine is in bloom. The orange blossoms are in bloom. The honeysuckles in bloom. Things smell good, and it's a nice day in LA. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't make it sound too good. Everybody will come here. <laughs> and certainly, last but not definitely not least, uh, Diane Mercer, our post producer. Hi, everybody. A producer Hello. who handles hey. post. How about that? That's better, right? Either one. Producer Either handles one. post. Um, thank awesome you everybody producer. for coming in on Sunday. Uh, it's we are Oscar. Here. It's Oscar Day. Yes, it's oh, Oscar right. Day. Yeah. Well, uh, the sacrifices we make. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I have to say I'm boycotting the Oscars today. Are you? Yes, I am. <laughs> I, wasn't invi- I wasn't invited and I'm boycotting. <laughs> okay, fair Perfect. enough. This is a very touchy area. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess I boycott them every year. <laughs> because I've never been invited yeah, either. <laughs> and that old, that old hack that we used to know, he's, he's going tonight. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, congratulations. No matter what happens tonight, as we record this, it, it hadn't, it's going to start in about, what is that, about seven hours and... Congratulations to Mr. Brian Cranston, no matter what happens tonight. You're the best, Brian. You're the best, Brian. Yay, Brian. Yay, Brian. Brian. Good luck, Brian. Oscar nominee for for best actor in a drama. No, 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 not drama. In a movie. In a movie. I'm sorry. I'm confusing my movies with my TV. Best actor in a movie, in a motion picture. And if you're really young out there and and you don't know about the McCarthy witch hunts and the fear and of communism you really should see that movie it's really great it's a good movie and brian is fantastic in it he really is. all right i'm un- i'm unboycotting all right <laughs> just this once just this once this is the one time do we have a uh, a title for this episode or we we'll just call it 206 here you want to give the title Yes, this episode is called bally high oh oh for the the song that jimmy is singing on the uh no, we just coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because, because Jenny indeed. went to a high school named Bally Bally High School. That's right, Bally oh, High for sure. Yeah, if only. Uh, yeah, no, named after the song that uh, Jimmy serenades Kim with. And where does this song? This song is a musical from a musical. What is it? South Pacific. South Pacific. South Pacific. Pacific. See, I was told it. it was from Oklahoma. No. It, it is Rogers and Hammerstein, however. It's a wonder, and it's it's beautiful the way it's done yeah. in South Pacific. It's beautiful, and Bob's Bob's rendition is is right up there. It's really, <laughs> it's really fantastic. And I, I mean, just to, apropos of what the, going on with the Oscars tonight, when when they did that on on Broadway, and putting the idea that he would fall in love with a native girl, that and and the song, the the, the you have to be taught hate is in there. And the backers were irate. They didn't want it in. But it was a huge step when they did South Pacific. It was a real statement about racial hatred. 
I love I love this song. Uh, Bob's rendition of it is uh, yeah. I, well, <laughs> what's interesting about that is he's done a, he did a few renditions because we recorded the voicemail previous to shooting Kim's scene, but not the actual scene where he's singing it in his office, so that Ray would have the song to react to right. when we played it in playback. And that version, I think, is a, a different version than what we ended up in the final cut, because he gave us so many great versions when we actually filmed him in his office singing. Right. Because I, I think there was this sort I remember him talking to me, he's like, yeah, I didn't, at first it was like, oh, this is funny, and then he's like, but I kept listening to the song, and it's this really beautiful song, and yeah. I feel like like Jimmy would, he would take this seriously. He would want to honor this song as much as possible and the beauty of the song and what he's doing. And so he got very sort of earnest yeah. in his performances. And I and it got better, actually, the more yeah. sort of like dedicated he was to honoring the song. And, and, and then it became more about that earnestness coupled with like, he's just not, he is not the same singer no. as, you know, no. sort of the original recording. But uh, so it ended up being a really, really fun. I think I must have had so many. We had so many different versions to choose from, I think, ultimately. And, and of course, Bob Bob is known in the comedy world for two things. He's known for his inability to sing <laughs> and, and his and his terrible English accents. And, and we, we he gets to do both on the show. Yes, yes. You know, Apparently. give him time to shine. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Uh, so, um, as you said, uh, as you said, Jenny, it was recorded in advance and then Ray played the scene listening to the voicemail she had, she was receiving. So the first time she heard it was on camera for a take? Yes, because when we rehearsed it, uh, Helen, our, our lovely script supervisor, provided the, the musical the musical version. Uh, she did sing a little bit, but mostly she just read out the lyrics, oh, okay. I think, at a certain point. So the first time Ray heard it was when we were rolling. Okay. Um, so those first reactions are, are genuine. One of the things I love about this, there's so many things I love about this episode. Uh, and of course, you and you and uh, Michael Slovis. Uh, Michael Slovis, yeah. who Long directed this episode. Michael yes, and right. you, you and Michael have worked together very successfully many a time. And you did such a, he did such a wonderful job, especially yeah. uh, Ray Seahorn has a couple of big moments where she's she's alone on screen and we're just watching her think and feel. And this is one of them. Uh, and then, of course, there's another one later in the episode. And then there's this scene that follows immediately after the the, um, the singing with, uh, with Mrs. Wynn. And every time I watch that, I always think it feels like a Billy Wilder scene. It just <laughs> it feels it feels so much like. A scene to me out, yeah. out of the out of the apartment or or With some Jack other Lemon or something some yeah. one of those other great Billy Wilder um, I L Diamond pieces and that's that's all that's all credit to uh, to the cast and to you two guys because uh, that's something I just don't see on screen at all anymore. Nice, it is a great scene. It's a great episode. You wrote the heck out of it, and uh, and Michael uh, directed the, the living hell out of it as well, and. Uh, so how many times together have you have you worked as a writer director? Uh, I think this was number four. Wow, maybe. Wow, confessions. Yeah. I remember that one. Uh, yeah, um, and the one with Tucker. Tucker, out, Tucker, shut right? the shut the did door. Do I can't remember. I can't yeah, remember. I think was, we yeah, did. Yeah. I didn't think we did three. Three on, Breaking Bad. On Breaking and Bad, and then then I think this will be number four. I might be wrong. I'd have to IMDb that. Probably. But that definitely <laughs> there was a Tucker. 
Tucker's at the door. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then my my final confessions, my final Breaking Bad episode right. was with with him, which was great. Oh so. yeah, right, right. Um, oh, that was a great one. So yeah, no, Michael and I work really well together. Um, he's a great director. He's very story focused. Yes. Which, I mean, a lot of directors are, but but you know, you I feel think you especially feel it with Michael. He's, I mean, Jonathan can speak to this more. I think he's really great with the cast um, as well as the crew yeah. uh, he, he there isn't like an area that he sort of overlooks that's true you know he, he really cares about the whole the whole that's picture true. see when I'm directing I'm very hot dog focused because <laughs> exactly. on the 10th on the exactly. episode you remember that the, I'm not gonna say what happens in it but in the upcoming <laughs> season finale Jen, my wonderful, lovely assistant, Jen, I'd put my hand out and there'd be a hot dog in it. Like, <laughs> like, I ate my weight in hot dogs. And like, <laughs> Whatever it takes to get through those days, you know? It's, 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 uh, I call them director pills. Yes, yeah. yes, nitrates. Yeah. This is why, why I, can't, I can't talk about 10. Never mind. But I'll go back to Slovis. Oh, my God, Michael. Anytime Michael's going to be there, it's, uh, I don't know, you, take a, you relax a little bit more. He cares so much. He does, and he wants it. And he he he's so supportive of all the actors. And a long road. I mean, you guys even know more than I do about how Michael came up. But I mean, he came up from being a grip, right? From the very beginning. I think he was, he was an electrician. He was an electrician, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. And and you're right. He came up. He came up. He yeah. paid his dues every step of the way. Came up as an electrician and uh, and worked uh, with Arthur Albert. Uh, Arthur was kind of his. Uh, I think my my understanding is Arthur was kind of his mentor. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, Arthur uh, is our DP now, and is a wonderful DP. We're lucky to have Arthur, just as we were lucky to have Michael as our DP on Breaking Bad, and now we're lucky to have. Hopefully, we'll get to do it again. Um, Michael is very much in demand. All these all these folks are. Uh, everybody at this table too, for that matter. And uh, but Michael now is the produ- producing director on uh, Preacher which has not uh, been on the air yet, but I'm looking very much forward to seeing that. And, Sam Catlin. And that brings him back to Albuquerque, too. Yeah. Yes, brings yeah. him back to Albuquerque, but the lovely Sam Catlin, uh, who was a wonderful writer and producer and even director for us on Breaking Bad, now is off running his own show in Albuquerque, yeah. and we, yeah. we miss both those guys for sure. Yeah. Um. Just for the audience out there, there is this huge spider. Is that a black and widow? The, and I'm not sure if he's inside or outside. I was looking at him, too. He's outside. He's outside. But We're safe. Kind of a wonderful spider. You know, I will say when Michael and Arthur are together, just because I knew that, I knew that Arthur was the mentor. Um, and you watch them work together, and it's just it's fun because there's there's very little dialogue that has to take place between the two of them. Yeah. And it's two old friends, and with big respect for both, which again just makes it wonderful to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So starting at the ahead of this episode, um, I definitely don't want to take anything away from Jonathan. We'll get to all your cool stuff in a second, but I wanted to mention that we've got this cute little montage with the balls. But also, if you could talk about. Junior Brown did your rendition of Sleepwalk? Oh, man. Junior Brown, thanks to Thomas Goljevich, Junior Brown re- recorded uh, Sleepwalk, the old uh, Santo and Johnny mm-hmm. tune from the 50s, uh, recorded uh, a wonderful, one-of-a-kind version of it. And it was it just, this is what's so great about this job. We were, to, to tell them about how this came to pass, uh, Peter. Well, I, I think Diane could talk about it too because we were literally watching the scene and, and, and looking at some of the possible possibilities. And then what happened, Diane? 
Um, so yeah, so we were doing our, our music preview. This is after after the episode is cut, entirely cut, and we've spotted it with our sound and music team. They send us back their first pitches and we preview it all together and kind of figure out what cues we want to use. And, and um, you know, they, this, this montage played great without music. It was actually one of my favorite things in the whole episode yeah. is how this montage was cut with all that fun stuff of him playing with the, uh, the big bowl of balls yeah. and uh, playing soccer with that and, and uh, you know, watching TV. And, and, and it's so beautifully cut. And yeah. it was very uh, rhythmic the way it was without music. Yeah. And all those edits were so cool. And perfect. And, Skip McDonald cut it perfect and purposeful. Yeah. 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 And then we put the songs in, and there were some cool songs, but nothing really. It, it all kind of papered over that fun editorial magic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I think Vince, we somebody they sent a version of of Sleepwalk. I think that they we did. watched. Was it original? It, that, it they was did. It was. Original. It was oh. definitely Thomas's idea. The yeah. idea of doing Sleepwalk. Yeah. And it was one of the uh, one of the one of the. Bits of pieces of music he sent, but it was not the original. It was not the original. Santo and Johnny, and and, yeah. and it was fine. Yeah. But you know, I think Vince had the idea when we heard that. We thought, well, he thought he said, "What if we get Junior to do it?" Yeah. I think it was even it was a more abstract. Is wouldn't it be great? Yeah, it wasn't. What if it great to hear? Wouldn't it be great to hear what Junior Brown would do? Yeah. And then you said, "Is there a version of that? Can we find out if there's a version of that? Maybe yeah. he's already done it. Yeah. It seems like he's. And then and then it, we just said, "Well, could you?" Just, just sound out and see if there's yeah. any possibility. And then the next thing we yeah. knew, I'm pretty sure it was a Friday, <laughs> and I called Thomas and I yeah. said, you know, they're wondering if Junior Brown's ever done this song, and and I, I was know, pretty sure he, he hadn't. I was pretty sure he hadn't because I'm I'm pretty up on his. Uh, you know the whole catalog. Wish, on his wishful catalog. thinking. Yeah, it was and kind of wishful thinking on my part. Sunday yeah. night, I get this email from Thomas that he's talked to Junior and. He's available Monday morning, and he's gonna record this song with his band. <laughs> with, with his, his with band, his, uh, lovely wife Tanya, and their and their and the, and the and, band. Yeah, and then then the sort of freaking out starts happening because you think, what if Junior Brown does all this work and we get it and we don't like it? <laughs> like, what happens then? <laughs> yeah, and. Um, so we're all kind of starting to panic, and it's a slim possibility, but yeah, the possibility we, we always exists. We, we think yeah. it's gonna be great, yeah. but you know, it might it just. He hasn't seen the cut. He doesn't know what the picture looks like, you know. But we had given him the direction to do a kind of a lazy version. Yeah. And then I think late Wednesday night, I I got it yeah. at home and yeah. I pulled it down and I listened to it and I said, "Oh my God, this is going to be great." <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't seen it with the picture. Or and you're the first. I just heard it. You're the first, I was the first one, person. You're to hear the first it. person here to hear, it, to hear, it hear most of the Thomas. music. Wow. And I heard it and I thought, "Oh my God, this is this is so great." Yeah. And we put it in the next day, and it was like it had been written for for that spot. I mean, it just dropped right in there. It hit everything exactly as it was supposed to do. It was I, I want to hear that. I want to hear it now. It's really, yeah. It's and great. I gotta I'll, I'll play for you after. I would like I that. Will, yeah. A little inside baseball here. You haven't even seen this episode yet. No. Yeah. I haven't. And I'll tell you one of the things I'm most jealous of sometimes is that I don't get to choose music. I, <laughs> I really am. But I honest to God think that, you know, at some point that – Mike being Mike, it's uh, Billy Holiday's got to come somewhere, That's and Billy Holiday. Point, yeah. I mean, the older I, the older Jonathan Banks gets, the more I lean towards her. Um, it's so pure, and she doesn't. You know, there's some singers, wonderful, wonderful singers, that are in love with their own voices, 
and I never, ever, ever get that from her. Yeah. Ever. Are or, you, or gut bucket blues, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Are you a, mu- a musician as well? Do you play no. anything? Yeah. No. I always wish I were. I wish I was. You can be. It's, I, it's not over yet, pal. It's, <laughs> I, my you brain is so be. finite. I am learning how to fly. I'm you're, learning how to you're fly. Also, you're also, you're, you're, you're taking learning, all you're of my learning the trumpet in the editing room. Yeah, that is, that is a <laughs> lot of fun. Uh, Kelly Dixon is, is becoming a marvelous trumpet player and has uh, two excellent friends uh, who are a couple of the best trumpet players in the world yeah. who, are, who are teaching her. So she's got her trumpet in the editing room, so she's letting me borrow a mouthpiece, and I'm trying to... I'm trying to learn how to at least make a, a, a sound that is recognizable as a, <laughs> as a note. No, You're it's better. It's really fun for everyone else around the office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when the practicing it's starts happening. That's, that's why Kelly was very smart just to give me the mouthpiece and not let me actually play the trumpet. It sounds, if you want to picture a duck call <laughs> that has aspirations to sing opera, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a, duck, a duck slowly being run it's over actually, by a steamroller. Yes, I think so. But I, but I said in all seriousness that I really think that you should try playing the piano i think you'd really like it i wish i had the the, the i i have so such limited bandwidth for learning which mm-hmm. is a shame i really believe i'm at a point in my life where every new thing i learn kicks out an old thing which uh, i i think that's a very sad statement but i'm i'm i really i'm it's not also being, not true I, it, it <laughs> feels that way I, i'm forgetting more and more and i think it's because i'm learning new things and yeah. the old stuff is you just wait another 20 or so music, years music though there have been so many studies about how much music really does help like your brain i mean you're using your brain in such different ways well i need some brain it helps help. you build neural pathways wow <laughs> okay, I, did, I could use some, I could of, use some of those neural pathways. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jenny, Jenny, do you play an instrument? I do. I do not, uh, which is kind of sad because my dad is actually a, a he's a great musician, and um, my mother is not. And I really got more of her her you know. And but um, my dad made my dad also builds guitars and and other string instruments and he made my husband and I ukuleles a couple years oh, ago. Oh yeah. Nice. And, uh, cigar box ukuleles. And uh, <laughs> I keep meaning to learn how to play them so or play mine. So that's that's on my to-do list is to try. I figure I could pr- I could probably learn how to play a ukulele, you know. Um, and my husband plays guitar, so I'm I'm definitely surrounded by people who have skill. So hopefully, I want to see you and Andy. I know. I want to see you and Andy play the ukulele together. through the tulips. Go on the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to see that. I have a question though about the Junior Brown thing, right quick. I'm curious, Diane. I'm sure you can speak to this as far as because just like you said, Vince, Sleepwalk is an is a Santo and Johnny original, right? Song from the fifties, I think. And so when you guys said hey let's see if junior brown and junior brown said yeah i can do it what kind of licensing what kind of legalities had to go about had to come about to have that happen um you know i mean that's thomas thomas we had a relationship with junior because he did the better call Saul song last year right and thomas thomas golovich is is our music music supervisor supervisor, and he has all these great connections and so we licensed the song itself you know which is one part of the licensing and then we made a deal with junior to pay him for the master Okay. So for so, performing, so the, for, for, yeah, yeah. The, the publishing rights is the, for the person who wrote the song. When that's fifty percent of it, usually about fifty percent of it, and then the master is the performance, and that, and then so so we negotiated a fee with with Junior to to do the work. And I know that Vince, you're very concerned um, all the time with any of the music that we use. And this was a new kind of term for me with the licensing history mm-hmm. of 
um, the song meaning. Can you? Can yeah. You tell so what whenever that means? we choose a song, we always ask Thomas to look up, you know, if it's ever been used before and what it might have been used in, because we do try to use songs that are fresh that uh, people haven't heard before or that have never been used in a way maybe that we use it. Now, obviously, this song is very, very well right. known, yeah. which is why we didn't want to use the Santo and Johnny version because it is so well known. Mm. Um, and and Junior's version really is special. I mean, I think when we heard it the first time, Peter said it was like listening to Jimmy's soul. I mean, it yeah. really has this kind of That's awesome. uh, yeah. special... Uh, sadness to it mm -hmm. uh the way he performed the song it's very it's it's so evocative yeah. and it's no there's no lyrics there's no singing yeah. nothing i mean but the guitar itself is so mm. evocative it's kind of wistful it's, it's very sort of wistful a, yeah. and it's and a it, weeping guitar it is of. absolutely and it and it, it it really captures jimmy's headspace in that the particular moment when he's not sure what he's doing and i'm hoping i said in an email to him when i was telling him how great a job he did i was saying I, I suspect you're going to be getting a lot of requests at, uh, after the episode airs for, for you to perform this live at your various mm. concert dates, and uh, I suspect he will, and of course he can do that as well. And I'm, He is such a great guy. I've known him uh, for since uh, he appeared in the X-Files in the same episode that Brian Cranston appeared in way back in <laughs> 1999, and he is such a great guy and such a just magnificent uh, musician and performer, and... Uh, no, I'm hoping uh, that people are asking for this all the time now, uh, going forward. So yeah, I him. just wanted to like cover that just a little bit so our listeners can know, like there's a lot too. We've talked about music, music supervising, music licensing, and stuff before, but that was kind of a little thing that happened so quickly that all the little particulars. When we had know. Thomas on last season on the podcast, I I think we talked a little bit even in more detail as far as like what he does specifically, mm -hmm. and you can go probably go back and listen to that. He's He's uh, he he speaks very uh, in depth about it. Yeah. And if you haven't ever heard it, and if, and you're young enough, you need to go back and hear the original Santo and Johnny. Oh yeah, because it it's a great piece, a it's, great piece. Yeah. I wonder if they're still alive. I remember I, the, I remember what the album cover looks like. Even the two guys on it, right? The two. Well, it's a guitar on it, and then oh. there is a picture of them, and I can't yeah. remember if it's on the front or on the back. Yeah. So it's a uh, an amber, uh, yeah. I do remember. <laughs> I kind of remember. Wow. Yeah. You well, still listen to records? You it still? was a very. Oh yeah. You still it, have a record collection? Um, uh, I don't listen to anything on a turntable oh, okay. anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, no. They're coming back though. It's all coming. We you I know. I still have a turntable. Yeah. They're coming back. It's uh, we uh, we released a, a uh, uh, Breaking Bad uh, vinyl, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, yeah. and Jay we've Porter got did, yeah, yeah and we got and we've got actually Junior Brown's um, recording his his the, the wonderful Better Call Saul song he did for us last year. That's on a forty five yeah. uh, vinyl. So a forty five. Yeah, yeah, it's coming yeah. back. Yeah. It's coming back. Yeah. Let's get to Mike. I'm very curious about how you guys in the writers' room got this you know whole thing working with the. I know there's research going on with the carbon paper and the welcome mat and stuff like that, but how did you guys decide that? I mean, you know, now that that Tio, Uncle Tio, has come and said, you know, he, what he wants Mike to do, and Mike is, you know, weighing his options here, but he knows that this kind of thing isn't over. Back in like I don't know what do you, let's call it I don't know May June 
when you guys were talking or no it had to be earlier than that probably like March no, no. Sometime for last this episode year. no I think it was later than that really okay. yeah so like what was what was sort of the you know consensus when you guys started breaking this episode do you guys remember what <laughs> was the, the consensus oh my god I know, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah yes. Jenny what was it well well, uh, you know, at the end of the previous episode, we we had that great introduction of Hector, and we obviously wanted to pay that off. And so there was a lot of talk of, um, we talk a lot about Mike and, you know, his progression. Uh, obviously, we talk a lot about Jimmy as well, but for Mike, you know, he's not quite yet that the fully formed Mike that we know from Breaking Bad. And we explored that uh, in season one a little bit, and we're trying to explore that more here. So... The idea was really, you know, how would Mike respond to Hector and and how can he really respond? At this point, you know, Mike's kind of a solo practitioner, you know, he doesn't have that protection that Gus Fring provided for him uh, in the Breaking Bad days. So it's just him and his family. And we like the idea of Mike standing up to Tio, but ultimately knowing that, you know, the reality is, you know, Hector has sort of the power of this large organization behind him and Mike is only one guy so but at the same time we didn't want him to roll over completely so it was definitely that balancing act of how does Mike deal with this still manage to kind of get as much as he possibly can for himself out of it while still ultimately having to capitulate and then what will that do to him? I and, wish, and so I wish I'd now. heard all that before I, I, yeah. I was the one that, did, that acted. Well, whatever, what's in Jonathan's head is always a little bit different, I think, you know, for all the performers as to what's in the writer's head. And I think it's almost intentional that we don't necessarily yeah. go into extreme. I mean, in the script, we try to communicate, you know, as much as we can about sort of mental state. But, you know, you also want. I what mean, performance interpretations. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's why we have no, them because I'm, they're I'm so great. I'm hundred percent on board with what you just said, um, and there's a clarity in that that I love about why Mike won't do something. Yay! It, <laughs> and let me let me tell you again. Uh, uh, you have not seen this episode yet. You are so. Sounds like I'm just blowing smoke because you're here. You are so fucking cool in this mm-hmm. episode. Oh, Mike, blow smoke, Mike, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike is so cool in this episode. And the scene, I'm not, not I'll, just to mention it, and we'll get, we'll get to it later, or we get to it now, whatever. Yeah. But, but the scene between you and, uh, well, the two great, there's so many great scenes in this episode, but the two that spring to mind with Mike are this badass scene when, uh, when you come home from work or wherever you're coming home from, and you... You know that someone's in your been in, it most likely is still in your house because you find the footprints. So the carbon paper has left uh, underneath the welcome mat, and you waylay these two guys. It is such a badass scene between the way you played it and the way uh, uh, Michael directed it. It is so freaking yeah, cool. It was so much it's, fun. It's one it, unbroken take. It's one unbroken well, take. Can you guys talk? Through. Can you guys it's talk awesome. about the the research on that one? I mean. Mm-hmm. What did you research guys, on the, the welcome mat with the yeah, I don't paper? know if there was really research on that. I think that was I I think Vince said when you know what's a really low tech 
mic way to, you know, see if someone's been in your house. And I think you you said, what about carbon paper? Um, we should probably explain to the younger viewers what carbon, carbon paper, paper even is. is. <laughs> there was a time, children, before photocopiers and printers and whatnot. And you know, typewriters are making a comeback, just yeah. like turntables. We, oh, should maybe, we should maybe explain photocopiers as yeah. well yeah. at this point, Vince. Yeah, you're right. Before photocopiers, I'm there was so a mini printing we're press. Just, we're just basically, yeah. we're going to march technology back through this podcast. So monks okay, used yes. to illuminate There, there are these quill pens. <laughs> You but anyway, I'm but I, I love what you just said, though. It, uh, I love um, how Mike is always going to be low tech. I mean, he mm-hmm. he's always going to do it the simplest way possible. He's not going to. I mean, later on, I, to be fair, I guess in Breaking Bad, he's got, as he describes it to Walt, he's got some $800 bugs that yeah. he's planted in Walt's house. But that's, as you said earlier, Jenny, that's that's the Mike uh, later on who's who's a little further down that road toward being a, a higher much further down the road toward being a hired assassin and is being bankrolled by a guy with some money, apparently, uh, uh, Gustavo Frank. But right now, he's going to do it the simplest way possible. And even, I would even argue with those bugs. Like, he's going to use the simplest tool for whatever job he has. Yeah. If you're doing surveillance, mm-hmm. you would yeah. you would get bugs, That's you know, true. and you'd, That's true. you'd want sort of quality but, you know, I've, yeah. always, I've always said Mike is smarter than I am. And Mike, it would not surprise me that, you know, Mike subscribes to Scientific American. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or at least at least popular mechanics omni omni, omni. remember wow, that's wow. a that's a that's a callback omni yeah i remember omni was i was going to say though about the scene can i get, can i jump there to, oh, yes. to the scene yeah so the when i come in the house and the young stuntman wonderful i have a knee that is not worth much right and it, was swollen at the time and we go through our moves and the takedowns and the hits and the da 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 and the young stunt man when he went down was such exuberance and he whipped his legs around and knocked my legs right out from underneath <laughs> me just and I hit the floor but oh. I hit the floor on oh. that knee oh, and then I had to shoot the rest of the day without limping oh no <laughs> I didn't oh, know that so I didn't it know. was Ooh. so oh. you know it was good because then it, we we shot the scene where I walk up the, to the house yeah. and I was still limping and and Arthur said or Albert said to me he said didn't think you could do it and for whatever reason I I walked straight up came straight up to the house looked at the mat but oh man wow. yeah that was a that was I had a big knee that day when are you gonna get that knee replaced well I'm telling you my mom did it and she's so happy she did well I'm not really looking forward to being down for three months no well, she wasn't either she wasn't yeah but either. what about walking for like the next 20 years well I will Jesus yes dear <laughs> yes dear <laughs> yes dear I'll John, get right John, where I'm gonna go I'm going right out of here to Northridge Hospital or Cedars as, as, the, as soon as we leave here to be fair she wasn't down for three months either yeah it wasn't easy she, she didn't enjoy it I'm not gonna pretend it was anything it was a well, walk I in the park like working but, out and I tell you just as, as far as being sane, because I'm not all that sane, is I need to work out. Yeah. And the idea that oh, all they of want sudden, you working out after the well, day, the day, hours yeah. after you're out of that surgery bay, they want you walking. All right, all right, all right, enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair I enough. will say, I will say to to Jonathan's credit, um, you were obviously in a lot of pain, but but at no point was there any complaint i mean you you you're very professional you did your job mm-hmm. and 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 it was it's sort of interesting because i tend to be more of a 
I have that kind of wanting to make sure everybody's okay kind of personality. <laughs> so there was definitely, I was like, I am always surprised on a set that if, if anybody goes, are you okay? <laughs> I've been around long enough. Who were the guys that used to do the, anyway, the, the, Couple of Europeans at towns that used to do the, you know the old spaghetti westerns sure. or whatever oh, it yeah. was or violent mm-hmm. films yeah, you know yeah. the Hanoi Hotel whatever blah blah blah, and I remember the story is that on the set that the actors had been working for 17, 18 hours and they were just drooping yeah and the producer walked on and he said well what's wrong with them and the director said well they've been here for seventeen actors eighteen hours and he said. They're actors, aren't they? Tell them not to act tired. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of the school I come from. Wow. <laughs> nice. Uh, you well, were, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, well, I, I just was going to say, I second what, uh, what Jenny was just saying, because uh, you were very stoic on episode 10. Uh, when I, and that's, I say, I keep mentioning episode 10, but it was really the only time I got to be on the set this year, just like you with episode yeah, 9. It was the only, only time, it's sad, we're here in uh, Burbank most of the time. We're having fun here, too, but, but we'd love to be on the set more. Yeah, we, we just get to parachute in for a couple of days here and there at best. You have so. to be on the set for another episode, you which, should, you which should. we will mention later. That's true. But you should, yeah, and I don't know how you do it, but for you to be there, I mean, I keep, without being really maudlin about it, I say to be around this crew, to be around what that atmosphere is, it is it is so healthy. Yeah, you're right. It's good for you. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Jonathan, to be around this crew. I mean, I would I haven't spent me. a ton of time on set in Albuquerque, but I, would, I, I think that, you know, it trickles down from the top, and, and Vincent Peter, obviously, are great leaders, and in our cast, you and Bob are, are great leaders on our set in That's Albuquerque. That's true. And, um, we have. I, I like to think we have the same feeling here, just on a very much smaller scale. But true, you know, yeah. I I feel it's it's a big family. It really is. You guys true. have a general no asshole policy when it comes yeah. to hiring, and I think that's, that yeah, that's that pays true. off. You know, like don't hire jerks. But that ain't easy, guys. That ain't easy. It is. You know, it's again, I mean, okay, so I'm beating you over the head with. I've been doing it for 49 years since I got my first paycheck, and what we've had here over the years is just. Uh, there's nothing like it. There's never been anything like it. A great group. It's wonderful Absolutely. to hear, and um, it's it's I'm you sorry. know and it's it's a it's a it's a virtuous circle. It's 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 people people doing their best and also believing in the material and believing in each other, and uh, it's it's that's I'm so glad to hear you say that. And you've you said it to me. Uh, I think you said it to all of us individually. So it's it's nice it's nice to know it's all those people in Albuquerque from, you know, f- from top to bottom put themselves heart and soul into into the show and they do here in Burbank too and of course you don't get to see you don't get to see how devoted the folks are here but We're it's here uh, on a Sunday. It's, 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 yes. <laughs> Sunday but here here yes here are Kelly and Chris uh, here, um, Chris who's already working on another show making aren't, making time aren't you also Kelly yeah, uh, she is now. Now I am. Yeah, as of Friday. As of two days ago, you yeah. started. Started two days ago. Yeah. Wow. Can you tell them what the show is? Uh, it's it's a pilot for Amazon, so who knows what's going to happen? But it's called The Interestings, so we'll see. It's nice. based based on the very well known book, The Interestings, directed by Mike Newell. Mike Newell. Wow, yes. he's awesome. a wonderful director. Yeah, he is. Wonderful you know? director. I was going to kind of sort of segue a little bit. Because it seems like a, a small thing in the beginning, but you actually end the episode with this as well. So I want to talk about the cup holder and the significance of the second best lawyer fitting into the cup holder or 
what what you guys were thinking in the in the room about this? The cup holder and the world's or world's second best lawyer cup. I mean, because you got to bring this is very interesting because you got to bring this cup this cup into the world yes, in episode I two. Yes, the cup into and yes. and here it's paying off in episode six. Yes, it's like we thought about it. Ahead what is that thing? It's crazy. Is, is there a metaphor there? I, I feel like there's is a there metaphor. Me- yes, there. there is a metaphor there. Um, it's it's very subtle. Now, I mean, obviously it's about <laughs> obviously it's about Jimmy trying to. He has this life that he's trying to create. He also wants to still be this sort of solish Jimmy, um, but he's kind of trying to walk the straight and narrow because of Kim, and uh, and it's about fit, you know? Yeah. Like, can I make these two parts of my life work? And uh, it's the canary in the coal mine, you know? <laughs> like, I, this one little thing that just seems like a small irritant, like, oh, my cup doesn't quite fit those things tend to get bigger, yeah. you know, like uh, the, the little thing that, that bothers you. It just it just grows and grows and grows until it becomes untenable. And I think in this episode especially, Jimmy's feeling, you know, pretty powerless. He's trying to get Kim back. He's, you know, trying to, to sort of really walk the straight and narrow. Um, and, and he manages to get Kim back, but she's still in kind of an unhappy state. Like, her life is in flux. She doesn't know where she wants to be, and he has no control over it. He can't really fix anything for her and so or himself. And so I think this beat at the end, when he, you know, quote-unquote, fixes the cup holder is like that's the only that's the only thing in his life that he can control is he can make that damn cup like fit into the car and so he does it you know whether or not that's going to ultimately prove satisfying that's a question but you know it's it's a way to assert control in a situation when you feel you have no control and one of the things i love the way you wrote this and the way the way uh, ray and bob both play this is that they're both these characters both have every reason in the world to be happy yeah. Yeah. they're both getting what they really st- thought they wanted uh kim is uh, kim is uh they're back together again which is which is probably one of the one of the huge one of the moments i'm most excited about in this episode that i love and is when ray the doc review y- too ray ray when uh when kim calls jimmy and says i've got a live one i've got a live yeah. one oh, yeah. and so and so she's the one who's like instigating the scam now and that's mm-hmm. that's wonderful and they're back together uh but there's something that's not sitting right. And I, I love the, the way the episode ends where um, it's an interesting act, your act four here, because Mike Mike makes this compromise, which I don't think sits well with him. No. And then but Jimmy and Jimmy is also he's 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 telling Kim to buck up. You know, this is you've got everything, I've got everything. But then then there's that great scene with a cup holder. It says it says he's not it's not all sitting quite right. And of course, one thing we have to mention the music. is that that Bombay Royale music at the end, which which uh, to me just brings the episode home in such a beautiful way. Thomas found this. We had we had we did not ask for uh, we did not ask for a Bollywood ending to this episode. We didn't ask for music at all. It no. was his idea to put music, and I thought you don't need music on this scene. It's it, not going to work. And we also thought it was too short. This often yeah. happens where we felt it was too short. Uh, an empty space for the music. Right, it just yeah. felt like it, we, how are we going to fit music in, in the yeah. shoehorn in it? Yeah. And once again, he came up with something that uh, so out of left field. And he usually, I've noticed, I don't know whether you think this is accurate, he usually seems to put these amazing, weird choices that somehow work either as his first, the first option 
or the, the last, last option. option. Yeah, yeah. He has some, I think there's some kind of no, method sure. in his madness. Yeah. In this case, it was the last option. I remember we went through probably five options watching this and going, you know, we really, we don't need music don't need here. Music. It's also, it's kind of, it's this move, moment's kind of ambiguous. It's more fun for the audience to kind of figure out what it means on their own as opposed to having the music tell them what to feel. Yeah. And then we got this last piece and it's it's just it's perfect. And it's Jonathan so Jonathan when you hear it say, when you hear it, when you hear <laughs> yeah. it Jonathan you will see what I, you'll of course everyone who's listening hopefully my god I hope you've listened you've watched well, the episode first. <laughs> but uh it's Jonathan Jonathan's the only one here who's in the dark about this. But Thomas was so tickled when we picked it. it cuz it was I remember him saying it was the last of the five or six yeah. uh, choices he had because the folks he works with who are very talented who help yes. him in his in his business they were all saying uh, apparently uh, this is this is via uh, via him this is him telling the story to us but he said they were all like this is not that's not gonna fly it's too weird so he was very tickled <laughs> that we went with it it's well i think awesome. it's interesting that we start the episode with such a languid kind of slightly melancholy but just like sort of the, the music from the beginning yeah. over that montage and then end with this very chaotic, yeah. you know, it, it, in it's kind of says, whereas sort of the visuals of the beginning are more chaotic than that's, they are at the yeah, end. So it's really like a nice kind of balance, I think. Yeah. I When I first heard it, because I actually heard all this music in the mix for the first time. I, I, I did not hear the music choices before then. And uh, I, it was uh, it was surprising, but I think it's. But it was <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. In a good, good way. Good, good. No, good I, way. I think it's good because it just it sort of hints that you know Jimmy's mental state isn't quite as staid as may- maybe we think it is. And yeah. you know, to speak to what Peter was saying, like they should both be very happy, and they're not. They're they're dissatisfied, yeah. and I think that's something that a lot of people have gone through. You yeah. know, like everything in my life is is basically on track, why Why am I not satisfied? Why yeah. am I not happy? Like, what is it that's wrong? Yeah. And I feel like I should be happy. I think people feel this responsibility to feel mm-hmm. happy yeah. if things are going well, because it's always like, well, at least I have a job, yeah. at least I have this. And yes, but at the same time, like there's something to be said for that satisfaction and, and really finding what gives you that. But he seems to be at the end, and the music reinforces it for me, he seems to be driving off to some sort of a, he's got some, some vigorous something or other in mind and a little tidbit uh and thank you diane a million times over uh for a great all the great things you do one little tidbit here of the kind of things diane does for us uh these episodes by the way we should talk a little more about what diane does as the as the head of post as our post producer in the show the show would not happen without her and all the great things she does here's a little tidbit the car's driving away jimmy's uh, in that high and wide final shot of the episode the car's driving away and it, he, the, uh, J- uh, Bob Odenkirk is driving it, and he has to brake a little bit to go around that corner. He's making that left turn out of sight around the corner of the building. And he has to brake a little bit, otherwise he's not going to make it around the corner. And as we're watching it, Peter and I say, uh, you know, it would be nice. Or I, may, I don't know who, which one of us said it, but, but whoever it was was like, you know, just some idle thought that passes through your brain. Wouldn't it be kind of neat if his brake lights didn't go on because that kind of subtly tells you he's slowing down and it feels like all he's doing at the end here is speeding up. And so Diane says, well, let me see what I can do. And she digitally erases them so that they're, you know, it's just a kind of magic 
that you could never do until maybe what 20 so his 25 lights years don't ago. come on yeah. is that the deal yeah, yeah. they did in the production and we we yeah. we removed them later they're digitally erased digitally erased they're yeah. digitally replaced with i guess technically you're replacing you take, yeah you take a little frame you take a, a little section of a previous frame where they're not on and just kind of track it and it's there. using an eyedropper right Absolutely. It's basic. Paintbrush. Yes. Yes. Um, I just wanted to make mention, we talk about Thomas Gullibich as our music supervisor all the time, and but I do know he, he has a team that works with him. I wanted to make mention of them, Yvette, Mich- Michelle, and Garrett. Yes. And I know that I'm not sure about that Bollywood track. I'm not sure what they may have pitched, but I know that they tend to pitch uh, songs as well. And, oh, yeah, they're you great. Know, I don't know. Um, Yvette, Michelle, specifics. and Garrett are great. I think, though, that in this one case, you can absolutely. Uh, I mean, they're all, the four of them are a wonderful, synchronistic team. They're all, all of them come bringing their own talents and, and ears and uh, tastes to it. But I think I think that one was Thomas's. Uh, is there, and Thomas, not like he goes around. Yeah, Thomas is very quick He's very, to share. Very quick to share. Very it, egalitarian. But, but he, I think he was telling us this because he was like, I, everyone thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I wasn't. Well, I definitely wasn't thinking that way. I, 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 I think to be fair, I think team. Thomas has worked with. A, we don't get to see the rest of his team that much. Uh, he he kind of comes yeah. to us representing the group, yeah. and so I think he has a better idea of how lunatic we are yeah uh so that's true i, I, I don't i don't think yeah. I, 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 I not to not to blow our own horn but I, I have to say i think a lot of tv shows wouldn't have gone for a lot of the pitches that he's uh, had that have been well, more unusual i also think it's a testament to the process that you guys have created and fostered around here that you actually listened to it in a spot that you said we don't need music here we don't even want music here and that you were presented with multiple options you only have so much time in the day but you you sat there and you listened and deliberated on each one when you could have just said no, thanks but no thanks. Well, past history, thank you for that. But past history has taught yeah. us that we should listen to everything. Thomas. Absolutely, and we should listen to everything. All of our oh, good, yeah. very talented of folks, and they want to make sure that their actors have that same attitude. That's so true. we're going to talk about the scene at the swimming pool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you tell. Now, it was. It was what well, we shot it in August. Was it August? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah July right. or August. Yeah. So it's a thousand degrees in Albuquerque, New Mexico, <laughs> and I'm in shirt sleeves, and my granddaughter's in the pool, and we shoot it. And I look up and I see the cousins. The cousins. The cousins are back. Yeah, the yes. cousins. And you know, I wrap her up and I get her out of there. So we go a couple months down the line. It's my last day, and speaking of making sure that you stay and do the right thing, and Vince Gilligan says to me, you know, when you looked up at the cousins, you know, I'm, I'm not getting enough there. I need, I need more Jeopardy here. I need more at stake. And I went, wait, Vince, I'm supposed to catch a plane, for Christ's sakes. And so when it was 35 degrees. Wow. <laughs> That morning, 35 degrees, before I went to the airport, in short sleeves, now they didn't bring the kid and throw her in a pool, I was standing out there, everybody's standing around in parkas with gloves on, and I'm standing, looking up at a rooftop and thinking, oh my God, I'm cold. Um, I just really wanted to see your nipples through the shirt, that's what it was all about. Well, and they were they were hard, baby, I'll tell you. Like, <laughs> we'll leave that alone. Um, yeah, yeah. So we got we got that, and then I went to the airport. 
What was the uh, problem with it? Why didn't? Why did you have Jonathan? There was no that? problem. There was just uh, I wanted to see his nipples through the shirt. That was, <laughs> literally, it. That was literally it. I like to exercise power. Now you got to realize how few directions that I remember. Of course, maybe I'm slipping here, but they, Vince has given me the one. The one. The one I loved is that I looked out of the booth one time and he went, he looked over and he shrugged and he went, less think I. <laughs> and, and I like that one. And then, I learned that one and, from John Ford. And this one was, and this one was you know, because most of the time, I mean, I try to do less most of the time. Um, Michelle McLaren years ago, I remember saying to me, you better remember your mic, which I thought was a great direction. Um, but but this one was where you needed a little more jeopardy involved. You needed you needed a little more anger, and a a little more uh, if I could only kill you right now attitude. You know what it was? It was uh, the scene as all the scenes were that uh, that you guys acted and that uh, Michael directed. It was wonderful just as it was. But in, in that one moment, sometimes you don't know until you're in the editing room. And I've found this on my own episodes that I've directed myself. I think, well, I got everything I need. And then you get in the editing room and you realize, well, you know, I need with a one little, one little shake, of, one little extra shake of salt from the salt shaker on yeah. the French fries. Was and, it a close-up or something? It was. It was a slightly closer shot that we felt we needed, uh, because for the simple reason that there's nothing more important to Mike Herman Trout than his family. Mm -hmm. And there's no one more vulnerable in his family than his beloved little granddaughter. And these two, and I'm not talking about the actors, they're the two most marvelous guys ever, but these two fucking monsters standing on this rooftop. And we know, Mike doesn't even know yet, but we know, but he can suspect here, but we know what what cold-blooded, heartless killers these two guys are. And one guy's pointing his finger or threatening his granddaughter. And it was just, you, well, that, that every now and then, you know, Mike Mike does go to 11, as it were. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it just we, we needed to see Mike go to 11 a little it's bit more. really there. the only thing, seeing those two up there is the only thing that can bring Mike to the table yeah. that, that at the end of the episode. And that was, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun, and it's, it's certainly uh, Michael Slovis, uh, you and Michael Slovis gave us a beautiful scene before oh, yeah. that that's, that's tremendous. And it was just, we felt like, as been said, needed that little extra bit of salt on the French fries. And we were so lucky. It's one of the things that happens the last couple of days of production. Uh, in this case, I actually, I, I shot this scene and a couple other pieces, but the, you, you, there are a few little pieces you need for, as you've watched, we've cut most of the episodes at that point, and we, we just, there are a few little pieces that we'd like to have throughout the season. And so that was, that was a day that I was running around getting uh, with, with the crew, actually uh, with a splinter crew. We didn't even have our main That's crew. Right, we yeah. had a different DP, Chris uh, Bones Jones, who, was, who came in for just a few days. Did a great job. And did a great job. And so we were kind of running around Albuquerque, getting little pieces of this and that, some of which you haven't seen yet, and yeah. some of which you already have seen this season, and uh, getting, you know, getting little uh, back plates uh, for things that were going to be dropped in on green screen, and getting uh, little pieces of nine that we had missed because of weather. And, uh, it's, and it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing that we're able to do that. Absolutely. And it should be noted that you were picking this stuff up uh, only because the original directors who had been asked uh, if they would like to come back and pick it up. All of them wanted to be the ones to do it, but, they, right. but they couldn't. They were all – they're much in demand. They were all working on other movies or TV shows at the time. So, so you, uh, you, you, you did that uh, yeah. 
after when they could not make it. And, and most of the pieces, the, the the piece with Jonathan is unusual. Most of the pieces are literally, you know, a hand a hand with a key or something like yeah, that. It's because yeah. uh, our directors do a great job of, of giving us everything oh, that yeah. we could possibly want for all these scenes. But our schedule is ambitious. It always has been. It always was on Breaking Bad. It always has been and will be on Better Call Saul. It really is. Very ambitious. And I'm going to say to yeah. you guys right, right now, if those, because I don't know how Bobby does it sometimes with all those words. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, going back to last season and doing um, uh, the five zero, that like, I needed, I needed that. I, I didn't get that script a minute before I should have. I, I mean, that's not the way I mean it. I I needed the script earlier. Oh yeah, to yeah, really, sure. I feel like that to yeah. really give you the best I can give you. Well, what you gave I us was pretty damn good. Uh, you know, so that's, I, uh, yeah, that's pressure on you guys in front of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the goddamn script sooner. <laughs> well, as I recall, you got to, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we and you could always use more time. It is uh, a stare in Rogers. It's like uh, TV has to do everything, uh, you know, it's like Ginger Rogers had to do everything Fred Astaire did except backwards and in high oh, heels. Yeah. A TV, TV is the Ginger Rogers compared to movies. <laughs> movies have all the time and all the money. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, but like for the, the, the ending scene at the ice cream parlor, I mean, you, that, you walked into that with no rehearsal, right? I mean, you have a little bit on the day. You were blocking. You're well, kind of blocking. Did you guys rehearse right? at all? Um, I don't remember, Jenny, but I mean, I'm thinking it was. It was great that Bruce was there, and it, and you talk about it just felt right to be with those. First of all, the the, the cousins, uh, the, the Mark, Mark Vincent, um, the the actors that were in yeah. there, and they were all. It was just it felt good. It had it, you know it was dirty. It felt right, and dirty in the sense that it's just it was visceral feeling. This is the other scene, I, and I got off on a tangent. The two amazing scenes with you, one of them is when you beat those two guys senseless who have invaded your house. This other scene is, is to me, uh, the, uh, the scene with you and Mark Margolis sitting across the table from each other. It reminds me so much of uh, one of my favorite movies, Heat, by Michael Mann. Uh, that amazing scene at uh, Kate Manolini's with, uh, with uh, De Niro and Pacino. Yeah. You, you two sitting across from each other. You guys... Not to make you feel old, but between you two guys, you got like a hundred years of acting experience yep. between you two guys. Yeah, and uh, watching you two guys, I wish I could have been there to watch it in person. Mm. What was it? Yeah. What was it, it like? It was, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was also a really hard shoot because we were filming at night uh, because it's a night scene. So, uh, so that was kind of an all. It was kind of an all night shoot, which is hard on on yeah. everybody. Yeah. And, uh, especially the guys with a hundred years of acting. Especially those guys. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know what? At least you were inside. You were inside well, the weather. Well, so the staging was outside. I mean, I, you know, we're sitting outside yeah. between shots. Uh, no, it was awesome. It was, um, it was, it was. I mean, it's it's great to watch that stuff and and see those guys kind of bring that scene to life. You have it in your head, and then I, I got to tell you though, I love watching Mark. That Mark yeah. would would. Would you know lean back and he'd give you that that's that stink eye, <laughs> and yeah. it was just fun to watch him work. And I would just watch and mark. You guys are so damn good together. Yeah. It was it was Mark so Margolis, who Mark plays Margolis. Uncle Tio, or is, I always yes, like to call him Uncle Tio. Yeah, which I know is that's basically saying uncle uncle, 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 uncle. I know, but I still. Well, there's a band called Mister Mister, so I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but timely uh, reference. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's funny though because you guys were staring Rogers and Mr. Mister. And carbon paper. This is your throwback episode of the podcast. Because he's because I guess you know he's not he's Hector now Hector Salamanca rather than. Well, he's no, still yeah, he's still to he he's, he's got three uh, nephews. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Huey, two Dewey, in and the Louis. room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two yeah. in the room. It's, um, it is such a, it's such a fantastic. I I don't I don't anything to contribute scene. to say other than what a wonderful scene that is and how how it takes its time. Oh, but yeah. it, the, I, you are I am just on the edge of my seat every time I watch it and and uh, the work that you you and Mark do and everyone in the scene is is just they're just great. Oh yeah, just a great scene. So oh, I'll good. tell you that Vincent. Um, uh, what's Vincent Fuentes? Who played Arturo? Yeah. yeah. Now he's a young actor. First of all, he's a delightful human being. He, he sent me a note after right. it was all over about you know it was just nice. a sweet guy. Yeah, he looks like he break your teeth you know but he's standing back there he was standing over to my left at, you know off camera somewhere and these guys are all supposed to be intimidating and I look over there and Vincent is giving me the finger oh yeah <laughs> and, I went, and I thought that's the way to your heart isn't and it I, I almost went you know I didn't know I almost went Vincent no you got, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you got to do it in character. You can't do you can't do it. He's a young actor, and I've seen I've seen other actors off off stage that they think they're they're being a real help that they're gonna jack somebody with okay. something. And I want to walk over and slap him upside the head. You know, it's good. Come on, you gotta do, if you're gonna do it, you got to do it in character for Christ's sakes. Um, we, I I don't want to wrap this up. I mean, we should wrap it up soon. But there's two things I want to talk about. Um, I don't want to deny talking about the whole Kim and getting back to the office and stuff. But first, can we just um, talk right quickly about the the wonder where Jonathan comes home and he sees he gets the intruders. But when he's washing his hands and he, he oh, yeah. stops his hand from shaking. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, and we should definitely talk about Kim. There's actually a couple of winners in this episode. Um, oh, totally. Yeah, 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 we definitely yeah. want to talk yeah. about yeah. that yeah, with uh, Kim and Hamlin. Um, I mean, I think that that's sort of what we talk about, the idea of, like, that, you know, Mike is still becoming Mike and that this encounter, as awesome as Mike is, um, and as collected as he is, and I have to say, the try harder line is one of my favorites, yeah. and, uh -huh. and yeah. the way Jonathan delivers it is so mad. When I wrote that's that line, so I was great. like, that's a pretty good line, and then yeah. Jonathan made it really, oh, yeah. really great. Um, yeah. But it takes a toll on him, you know? You, it, It's not like he's, he's not he's, a sociopath, he's he's you know? Human. He's, yeah. he's, he's mm -hmm. a human being, and, yeah. and having to do that takes a toll on him, and so I think that, that, that that's a, a way to show that without having to, you know, have Mike go to someone and be like, man, it, it's really tough, this life that I lead. Yeah. So it's, you know? so there's, there's nothing physical, there's nothing wrong, he's just scared, he's scared. That's yeah, no, it's it's not no, like he has scared. a cough and he's no, gonna he's die not. of consumption. But. All right, and now, now okay, this, is, this is where Jonathan's backstory with Mike comes. Okay. For me, Mike has done something similar at some point mike's been hard for a long long time mm -hmm. mark M mike mike has seen hard men and bad men for a long 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 time mm -hmm. you can only get that thousand mile stare in that in that in that breakdown if you've done it one too many times mm -hmm. Or if you've had to then revisit it when you never thought you would have to revisit it right. again. Um, 
this is it's not like Mike hasn't done this before. Oh no no no, 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 no. That's, nobody's that's saying that. I mean. Yeah, but, I'm just saying it's not that he. It still it still means something to him. He hasn't become completely dead to it. And and let me point, ask you this: you know? I, I gotta I gotta go with Jenny on this one. You don't think? Because uh, this is a good thing for us to discuss here. I I think he is scared here, but I, I'll 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 grant you this: not necessarily for himself. But these guys are not going to stop, and I think he knows that, and I think it's only human for him to be scared for his no, granddaughter, I, I, in for that his sense, family. In that sense, yeah. he absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this to the audience. When you talk about the daughter-in-law, he owes everything to. His granddaughter, he owes everything to. He's taken their husband. He's taken her father. He is responsible <laughs> And and his it, it, fear for him, fear for himself yeah. Yeah. fear for himself no right right fear for them yeah. these fragile fragile creatures that are his responsibility yes yeah yeah see I, I think Terrified. that's a lot of what this Terrified. what that moment mm-hmm. means yeah. when his hands yeah, yeah, are shaking yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I don't think he was putting on the toughness in any way like, oh no he's, no he's, he's a he's so a capable. tough guy I think it is just that it's creeping into his personal life and. I, he's in a very interesting, fascinating character, and the way you play him, and the way the way he's written, the way we've we've come to understand him as writers over the years. Because I don't think he thinks of himself as a tough guy. I think mm-hmm. tough guys, people who think of themselves as something, usually aren't that. Thing. Aren't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just he just he no. is he is a man who does what he has to do, and he will do it no matter how unpleasant it may be. Yeah, and I'll seriously say out there for for all of you who've watched this over a period of years, trust me. Mike has had his ass kicked more than <laughs> once, and you know he's no super tough guy. You know we we, we have Superman so- wears Mike Ehrman Trout pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> like that, like that. We have so many characters who who are, are always justifying themselves, who have a, have a great story for why they're doing everything that they do. I think Mike of all these characters, is the one who really sees himself in the most bleak terms. He's the one who really can look at himself in the mirror and see everything that he's done and everywhere that he's been. And I think alone, of all the characters that we've and got. he should see himself yeah. that way. Yeah. He doesn't lie to himself. Yeah. No. And some of our characters, well, uh, Walter White, uh, first and foremost, mm-hmm. uh, did, you know, uh, was amazed, had an amazing ability to lie to himself. I, this This guy does not. And I think Saul Goodman does not. Maybe I don't know I if Jimmy McGill does, I don't, I but Saul Jimmy does not. I think Jimmy is fighting that now, but yeah. ultimately Saul does not. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So it talk, seems that we way. We should talk about Kim. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is kind of a big Kim episode. Yeah, as well. yeah, by all right. means. Yeah. Sure. She's had a big year. Where is she? Yeah. I know. She, she was, was here, here on the last uh, last. Uh, she did three, two, two podcasts. Uh, we'd always love to have her uh, as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, she uh, she did a few of the previous ones, and she is great. And that one is amazing. That uh, where she and uh, yeah. Hamlin or where Kim and Hamlin are walking. And I love that talk, so much. Talk about yeah, how that was shot. Too. Talk about the trick with that. Yeah, um, that was something Michael Slovis wanted to do, Ooh. and it's it's a single shot of them walking, steady cam mm-hmm. shot. And uh, they kind of loop through the office and they repeat an area or pass by an area that they've already Which I been still by, have not noticed. Which you can't tell yeah. because we had crew on hand to, they put a whole like wall up. <laughs> like right. so as um, a fake Kim wall. and Hamlin are walking, once they get out of the sight line, crew is like rushing to put this wall insert up. <laughs> and then they turn the corner and they come back and then they walk by. And I think there's like a HHM logo or something on that wall. And that's a 
that's like a plug that they just put up. Damn. So wow. yeah, so the crew, and they had like a few, they had a certain amount of seconds to get this work done. Um, and then they also, but also because, you know, Michael is smart, he understood that sometimes with running times, you have to trim stuff. So he also shot it in such a way that you could kind of pick your cut points. Yeah. So you could still preserve as much of that long take yeah. as you wanted. And then, but also still be able to have a coherent scene um, and and pick them up as they come around the corner to go to go into the conference room. But he's, yeah, he's very smart the way he the way he maps stuff out. He's and he's very editing room friendly. Yeah, uh, I, I, not not every director. I'm not talking about folks on our show, but just in general, not every director is as editor friendly as Michael is. Yeah, and for someone who's spent most of his career on sets, it's very impressive to me actually how. He 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 really shoots everything with intention. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. and, and I, I think especially this episode almost more than any of the others that Michael's done. It just all the pieces really went together so beautifully, yeah. and he really visually told the story so clearly. Yeah. Um, beautifully. Done. And beautifully. I mean, that that shot of Mike's where I I know we talked about how you kind of get the geography of Mike's house. In the earlier scene where he comes That's in right. yes. and yeah. he brings home the the, news, set, the, the paper, already, he, yeah. he really sets it up. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. so then when you come back later, you kind of know, OK, he's got to check here, here, yeah. here. And, yeah. and, 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 and all of those pieces visually tell the story with no dialogue. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's obviously it's all in the script, but he he figured out a way to stage it and, and, and tell the story. Yeah. And Mike does check every inch of that place. I mean, mm -hmm. he doesn't leave yeah. any any corner uh, yeah. uh, unchecked. See, everything you're saying is making me uh, very jealous that Sam has has, <laughs> Mike, has <laughs> Michael oh, locked Sam up Cameron in Albuquerque has, has for, for Preacher. Oh, one last thing we should say about the Warner, just in case, because uh, it dawns on me now, uh, in case the folks at home are saying, oh, I'm going to watch that, rewatch that scene and see if I can see that plug, that fake wall and spot it. It's possible, I can't say for sure one way or the other, it's possible that bit is not in the final version in the sense that because Michael was thinking ahead and because he gave us more of a wonder than we even needed and because we have running time issues with all these episodes, I think we, we cut off the first 10 or I can't tell you exactly how much. We might have cut off 10 or 15 seconds of that one or the yeah, beginning. Yeah, so you might not see the first pass. And so you might but then not. the plug, I think, I think is still. Right. Is well, still this is a great reason to yeah. buy the, uh, the, the Blu-ray because there'll be a commentary. And <laughs> right, you or right. Michael will be there hopefully, to, can, uh, hopefully to point exactly out exactly yeah. where the switcheroo comes. Absolutely. I mean, but the reason why the shot is so effective and with such a great idea of Michael's is because it really underscores the awkwardness of this moment. Yeah. Oh you know, you're with them. You're with Kim yeah. and like. Ugh, you know, Hamlin hates her. He's so mad at her. It's, yeah. She tries to like make things better, and he completely ignores her. Give it nothing. Nothing. I mean, Fabian so so great in that. And then and he, he rounds the corner and comes pops on. the smile. Yeah, that's an like, amazing yeah. moment. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. Yeah. We had fun mixing that too. Uh, yeah, we had uh, a lot of fun mixing that, walking through. Oh and, yeah, 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 because you had to the, build all that all sound. The, the going through the parts of the office and the phones yeah, here, right. and then the, the the paperwork here and the copier and going just go, walking through all those various places. That was talk, really talk about that, Nick so, Forshager. Uh, or uh, yeah, Nick, our our sound supervisor and our mixing team, uh, Larry Benjamin and Kevin Valentine. You know we. And also Catherine uh, Madsen, our yes. ADR supervisor, because all of that, that's all loop group of all the voices yes. walking through there. So, yeah, so they... Well, talk about what loop group is real quick. Oh, yeah, loop group is uh, we hire, it's usually six people, um, actors who come in after everything's done, 
and um, all the voices that you hear in restaurants and offices and call outs in the park and you know everything like that is is these actors that are never seen who are great actors um, and a lot of them do commercials and you'll see them every once in a while in, uh, in small parts here and there they make a great living doing this voice work that really that's what that's what takes it from movie magic to kind of re- that feeling of reality when yeah. you're in there and you hear the real world yeah, out can there. Can we do a loop right now? <laughs> <laughs> because when you're yeah. filming, you're wanting, you you want, you know, background should be, is silent. Yeah, no, yeah. Any, anybody you see talking in a restaurant is not actually talking. They're mouthing. They should not. Those, they're yeah. miming. Oh, they are sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> they are, yeah. Sometimes they are. Absolutely but they, they are. But in theory, they're miming because yeah. uh, otherwise they're, they, you wouldn't have a clean track. You yeah. wouldn't hear yeah. the two, say, yeah. a scene with two men. Seriously, it sounds like this. If we were going to do it, all I got to do is move stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't do that. Kelly's Kelly. Kelly. The iron fist of Kelly Dixon is coming down. But, you know, so you had that office scene, and then also the scene with um, Kim and Schweikert at the restaurant. Yeah. You know, there was a lot. I'm sure that you guys had to build. Yeah, yeah, for the, the bartender for and, the, and, then, and the and the waiters. That's a great scene. Around. That's a great location. And how yeah. great is Dennis Boudreaux? Oh, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, that's a big episode Albert. for him. Yeah, yes. Dennis yeah. has yeah. that great. Dennis monologue. is great in the. He's yeah. always great. And it's he great like nailed him. that on the first go. He, he did. Just, he just nailed it. Yeah. I love that story he tells. I love the story he wrote and the way he tells it about being being a young lawyer and being abandoned by his mm-hmm. uh, by you know by his first chair uh, or whatever they call it by, by his boss essentially and I love the way he tells that story he's, yeah he's he a, made it very he made it his own and, and made it sound real <laughs> you haven't gotten to work with Dennis because because uh, mm-hmm. uh, do have you ever worked with him on anything else do you, do you know him have you worked with him on other shows or movies or whatever? I have not okay not to my knowledge. he's an excellent actor he's we, we are so blessed with all the great acting we have on well this, I'm just uh, looking at this list with Rex and Kara and and mm-hmm. Eileen and it goes on and on and on. Absolutely, great bunch, great bunch of actors. Can, and can Forrest Fire, who plays Forrest the judge, Fire. the judge. Yeah. I love Forrest. What name. a great he did, name! And he did a great job. He did a great. Everyone was yeah. great. Everyone was great. Can you talk right quick about the decision to of Kim to basically blow off Howard? Well, that's kind of more obvious, but. The decision to get the scam going again and get Jimmy down from Santa Fe and come join in. I mean, for me personally, I feel like uh, this was something we had been building to. You know that that Kim initiates the scam, and I was very excited that it landed that it landed in this episode. And and I think what it is is, you know, Kim is really kind of beaten down by she's severely beaten down by everything that's that's happened. She's managed to kind of pull herself back up, and then she this. This uh, offer just sort of drops into her lap, but I think she's really conflicted. Um, she hasn't felt happy or good in a long time, and I think one of the last times she felt very good was when she ran that scam with Jimmy in 201. And so I think, you know, when when you're just like, I think it's that thing of like, I just don't, you know, I don't feel good. I don't know what's going on. Fuck it. I'm going to go you know, spend $5,000 on my credit card. I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go do this. And it, it, you do the, the last thing that made you feel kind of good. And I think the last time she felt happy was when she was with Jimmy running a scam, you mm-hmm. know, instead of trying to be a good person. And so, you know, this is her blowing off steam. But yeah. but she also misses him a lot. You know, obviously she misses him when she listens. She's that first scene with her when she's listening for the 
she's waiting for that phone call. Like, cause he's been You're calling time waiting around. He's been calling yeah. for, you know, Days every day, yeah. every day and, and singing to her. Um, so she clearly misses him. Um, and I, I think it's just at a certain point, you know, you have to kind of release that pressure valve. And, oh, Jenny, uh, how much of yourself do you put in <laughs> of you is in Kim when you write? I mean, there's a per, there's definitely a percentage of me yeah. in Kim, I think. Um, I do too. I mean, there's a percentage of me. There's a percentage of Ray, I think, in Kim as well when I write oh, yeah. her, for sure. Um, and, and I think Ray and I have a lot of similarities, actually, in how we get along really well and, and sort of the way we are. Um, so yeah, no, there's definitely a little bit of there's a little bit of Jenny and Kim when I when I write her for sure. That's cool. And a quick shout out to Stephen Flynn who played the uh, who played Dale, oh. the Mark, oh yeah, the, yes. the Mark, uh, the the uh, con Mark uh, at the bar there. He, so good. He is such a he's. I, I didn't get to meet him. I, I heard nothing but what a great uh, what a great guy he was uh, from from everybody. And uh, but he plays. He does a. He's a very fine actor because he played a great douchebag. And that's a, yeah, that's but a, he walks the line because yes. he's not quite a Ken Wins douchebag. That's true. You know, that's like true. He's not an overt. That's true. He's he's more subtle. You know what it is? It's not. It's it's the context of you know he gives his wife or his girlfriend a kiss and puts her in the car out by the valet stand and within within thirty seconds he's got the wedding ring off and he's hitting on. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's uh, he doesn't behave overly douchey but but he is clearly a douchebag yeah. he is he is great the and that's that's I mean. that character that's a very tough character to play and it's a we you know it's it's a, it, we looked at a lot of different actors so many work, great actors so many great yeah. actors yeah. who just didn't quite have that perfect combination of almost likability and we also wanted the feeling or at least I, I was hoping for and I think it's in the script that you for a moment there you think maybe Kim is really yeah, gonna yeah, date this yeah. guy yeah, and like, so he couldn't yeah, yeah. be just he so be, yeah. repellent on sight yeah. he was just morally repellent yeah so, like yeah. a lot of you know he couldn't be too likable so there was mm -hmm. a whole crop that were just so likable you didn't want to see them get scammed yes and then there was a crop that were just maybe a little too Ken wins ish, yeah. and you didn't want to do a repeat. So you isn't had to kind it of have great it to be an actor? It is. <laughs> I was gonna say. This is what hurts because I, I have to say, like, I it is. It's a it's such a hard job because a lot of times mm -hmm. I feel like actors don't get a job not because they're not good, but because there's just such a specific chemistry that you're looking for, and it's hard as someone who participates in casting because you yeah. want to cast every. Like, there's so many times when we want to cast. Yeah. So many people who well, read hire for stuff. all you guys. It's and it's and and it is. I it's there was a few actors who we especially we didn't cast and I like especially was heartbreaking because yeah. they're so great. But but so I here's how know. this heartbreak but, but, goes, actors. You're too John. tall. You're too short. Uh, your eyes are blue. No, you're too likable. No, you're not likable enough. Uh, your mother was born where? No, sorry, Jonathan. It's the a only, tough the job. Only, the only plus I'd say, and this is the great thing about doing an ongoing TV show is that there are many actors who we just loved, who, who've come out yeah. and auditioned for us a few times, and we will sometimes even write to these people. There, there are people coming up, coming yeah. up this yeah. season. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but there's, there's actually Write one. to them as in write in the script. We will write, yeah. and we will, we will come up with a character yeah. because... We've liked an, we actor, an actor, so actor so much, and so that it's, and, and the check is in the mail, folks. <laughs> no, no, he's <laughs> a, we got no, it's it's saying there is there is hope. There is. Uh, I've said it before in these things. I'll say it again. If you are an actor, and I'm saying this as a non-actor, I'm not pretending to know what you guys go through, but these auditions, and you can you you know more about this than I do, so you can call bullshit on it. But these auditions are worthwhile 
for you to come to and give your all to because, yes, it is true that very often the producers sitting there will know they're not going to hire you for this one part the minute you walk in the door, but you still got to give your all because if they like you enough, as we often do with actors, mm -hmm. they will think of you in the future for another yeah. role. Well, so that's the reason to kick it in the ass right. when you I'm walk in that door. i answer that in two ways. It, for, for an actor, the only thing, and when I teach, the only thing I can say is just an, this is another chance to act. Yeah. yeah. You mustn't pay attention if people are still reading a newspaper or having a conversation among themselves when you walk in the room. Yeah. Whether that's impolite or not, you have to ignore that. You are there to do something. Now, the second thing is, now I'm going to jump back a thousand years ago when I directed, and it was in the, in the theater, the hardest things in the world for me was, was the casting process. Yeah. It was It was horrible. Yeah. And God forbid those few times I've had to fire someone. Mm. I that's tough. I yeah, it was it was just awful. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. But congratulations to Stephen Flynn for being almost likable enough <laughs> to, to be perfect for this role. <laughs> the Seriously, you did a great job. Well, because well, he didn't put any he didn't put any stink on it. Yeah. And speaking of being unlikable, I'm I'm uh, the one who has to wrap it up. I'm getting the high sign that we have to close it up. Thank you guys, everybody, for coming in on this Sunday. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Peter, Vince, Kelly. Thank you, Thank you Chris. How's things going on Fear the Walking Dead? Oh, it's great. Awesome. It's uh, so many Is zombies. Is it fearsome? <laughs> it's so scary. It's scary stuff. Um, no, there's, there's some really good stuff coming up this good. season. Um, zombies. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening very much. And... Um, well, should we have Jonathan? somebody? Oh, yeah. yeah get yeah. Jonathan to do it. Uh, Jonathan, we've been doing a new thing where we've been having other people uh, sign us off with a better call Saul like uh, Saul did. Do your best Bob Odenkirk or, imitation. It's another or, chance to act. It's another chance to act. What are you talking yeah. about? You can't. He's an actor. Tell him to act. Act. Act like Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> How would Mike say better call Saul? Act like Saul, Saul Goodman. Put How some This is your chance to put some stink on it. How would Mike say better call Saul? And this week only at Better Call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, perfect. That was good. Thank you. <laughs>